Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Pranendriya manomalam shanair vidhasya vidyayena manasa guruna gurum. Synonyms pranayamena by breathing exercises. Trivruta by the three recommended practices. Pranendriya, the life, air, and the senses. Manaha, mind. Malam, impurity. Shanai, gradually. Vyudasya, giving up. Abhidhyayeta, meditate upon. Manasa, by the mind. Guruna, undisturbed. Gurum, the supreme spiritual master, Krishna. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta, Swami Shla Prabhupada. After sit translation, after sitting on your seat, practice the three kinds of breathing exercises and thus gradually control the life air, the mind and the senses. Completely free yourself from all material contamination and with great patience, begin to meditate on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Purport. In this verse, the entire yoga system is described in summary and special stress is given to the breathing exercises for stopping the disturbing mind. The mind by nature is always oscillating or it is very fickle. But the breathing exercise is meant to control it. The process of controlling the mind might have been very, this process of controlling the mind might have been very possible in those days millions of years ago when Dhru Maharaj took to it. But at the present moment, the mind has to be fixed directly on the lotus feet of the Lord by the chanting process. By chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, one immediately concentrates on the sound vibration and thinks of the lotus feet of the Lord. And very quickly, one is elevated to the position of samadhi or trance. If one goes on chanting the holy names of the Lord, which are not, dif not different from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, naturally his mind becomes absorbed in thought of the Lord. It is here recommended through Maharaj that he meditate on the Supreme Guru or Supreme Spiritual Master. The Supreme Spiritual Master is Krishna, who is therefore known as Chaitya Guru. This refers to the Super Soul who is sitting in everyone's heart. He helps from within as stated in Bhagavad Gita. And he sends the Spiritual Master who helps from without. The Spiritual Master is the external manifestation of the Chaitya Guru. Or the Spiritual Master sitting in everyone's heart. The process by which we give up our thoughts of material things is called Vityahar, which entails being freed from all material thoughts and engagements. The word Abhidhyayet, which is used in this verse, indicates that unless one's mind is fixed, one cannot meditate. The conclusion, therefore, is that meditation means thinking of the Lord within. Whether one comes to that stage by the Ashtang Yoga system or by the method recommended in the Shastras, especially for this present age, to constantly chant the holy name of the Lord, the goal is to meditate on the Supreme Personality of God. Om Jnanati Mirandasya Jnanan Janishalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishthaya Bhutale 
श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नामिने नमस्ते सारस्वती देवी गौरवाणी प्रचारणे निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पाश्चात्यदेशतारिणे वाचाकूभ्य कृपा सिंधुभ्य पतिता पावनेभ्यो नमो नमः जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु निनंद श्रीअद्वैत गाधार श्रीवासादिगौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे हरे Hare Krishna. I'm grateful to be here with all of you today. And today we'll be discussing this pastime of Dhru Maharaj, and uh, I'll go to a quick overview, and then I'll focus on one theme, which to me, to my mind, addresses or highlights the compassion of Narad Muni in his way of instructing. so last month i had taken half of the chapter uh, I, and i had an overview of that this time we don't have two sessions i have only one session because yesterday i spoke on bhaktisanas thakur so i will <clears throat> not be able to do the overview of the chapter but i'll just mention what what is there in the chapter and then i'll focus on one theme which stood out to me when i went through this chapter so we are coming to the last verse in one section in the first section of the second half 39 to 44 is narad muni instructs dhru maharaj to meditate on the lord at madhuvan and how does he meditate so for that purpose the breathing exercises are described in this particular verse then after that 45 to 52 is when he has to meditate it's not just uh, some meditation on some only breathing but there is a meditation on the personal form of the lord so it's a very moving description very attractive uplifting description of the form of the lord that comes in the next section then after that it is narada describes the process to worship the lord so it's not just meditation internally it's not just breathing exercises but it's also mantra chanting it's also creating a form with the resources available over there whatever he can and to worship and then when he completes this dhruva dhruva goes to madhavan and starts doing whatever the lord tells him, what narad muni tells him and narad muni's mission is not yet over he then goes to uttanapad and uttanapad is in grief and he consoles him by telling him that your son is very competent he will bring great glory to you and as he pacifies him so on both sides narad muni has, has actually acted in easing the bridge building it will happen after dhru maharaj becomes realized then after that 1777 describes dhruva performs severe austerities this the austerities uh, and how intense they are that's described and last chap section is that dhruva's austerities they cause a cosmic impact uh, what happens is that the universe starts getting disturbed and devatas appeal to the supreme lord please intervene please save us and as the lord says yes i will go to dhruva maharaj and i'll speak to him and that is in one sense it's like a cliffhanger ending over here 
the lord is going to appear the lord says i am going to appear and he will appear in the next chapter so i will focus on one theme here that is you now what's missing matters so what is missing is this is the bhagavatam and often we hear about messages about how material enjoyment is futile what how material life material world is a place of entanglement and misery but there is no such instruction here at all nothing about material detachment or futility so what someone is not telling can be telling that means that if a if say in a country there is a big corruption scandal going on and a particular newspaper reports about everything else including something very small happened some small some small wrong some small the- theory that happens in some remote part of the country but they don't report the corruption scandal involving the maybe the top politicians in the in the capital then why are they not telling that that can be telling that indicates something important maybe they are biased so that's that's one possibility but basically if somebody doesn't speak something which is relevant to the topic or at least we think is relevant then that means they have some purpose behind it now in this case it's a negative agenda but we see in the bhagavatam also this happens that we see in the shrimad bhagavatam 10th canto uh, the the bhagavatam describes krishna leela but there is no description of the kurukshetra war nothing about kurukshetra war so why is that it's interesting what does the bhagavatam narrative do during the kurukshetra war it describes how balram goes on a pilgrimage and he does this and he does that and he does that now if if we consider from a narrative perspective now pilgrimage is nowhere as interesting as a war so why is the war skipped completely well there are different explanations one primary explanation is that actually parikshit maharaj is about to die and chukde goswami wants parikshit maharaj to be completely absorbed in krishna and although krishna did wonderful things in the kurukshetra war but at the same time it was in that very kurukshetra war that parikshit maharaj's father whom he never got to saw abhimanyu died so why describe something that is going to be so distressful and distract parikshit maharaj's mind from focus on the lord so what the whole mahabharat narrative is building toward the kurukshetra war but the bhagavatam sidesteps it so that is the it is for the purpose shukde goswami wants parikshit maharaj's mind to be focused on krishna alone and therefore even some pastimes of krishna can be skipped so that people's mind can be fixed on krishna so it's amazing that even some pastimes of krishna can be skipped so that people's mind can be fixed on krishna so what some what's missing what someone is not telling can be telling and what is the now now in the case of narad muni what is it why does he not tell this because he is understood very clearly dhruva maharaj is determined to gain the kingdom and that's what he wants at this point he understands that dhruva is not going to listen to any message about detachment of utility 
so reach people where you can that's his purpose so i'll talk about this theme this is, is nalmur's expertise in preaching outreach how does he convey a message so that it registers into dhruva's art so let's look at this and there is there is a certain amount of humility required in outreach and that humility begins by understanding that krishna has been acting in people's lives krishna is right now acting in people's lives so krishna has been working in their lives before they met us and he will work on them after he meets us too so during our meeting them with them what can we do we can give them that part of krishna's message that will speak to them right now and leave something for krishna we don't have to think that i have to give all of krishna's message right now our purpose is how can i assist in krishna's plan how can i assist krishna is working in this person's life how can i assist this person right now so sometimes we think you know, i have to give the full dose to this person but that full dose may be just overwhelming and i have made this mistake a few times when i was in college or when i finished my college and i was working in a prominent software international multinational software company and one of my co students was also quite intelligent he had joined me i joined in the same company so we would travel by the same bus to the company and during the bus ride i would be chanting or i would be hearing some lecture or reading something i would not talk with anyone i said why waste time with talking with uh, materialistic people that was my thinking and then one day this friend made the mistake big mistake of asking me what am i doing what are you doing and when he asked me you know it is a is usually a 45 to 50 minute ride he asked me at the start of the bus right he, he just got in so i uh, i would get in the bus and then a couple of stops later he would get into the bus so i actually got in he asked me and then for the next 45 minutes i gave him a complete crash course in the philosophy of krishna consciousness from how we are not the body with the soul how there is the design argument for the existence of god how only krishna and none of the devatas are the supreme how chanting is the yuga dharma how science cannot satisfy the human heart's longing for happiness you know i was so satisfied that the whole six session bhagavad gita course i am concentrating in 45 minutes that i didn't even note didn't even notice that his eyes were rolling and then thereafter when uh, he just he, we went after we reached there we went to our work and then after whenever we would get into the bus whenever we would travel the same bus you know he would normally a bus has two doors so when he would come the bus would stop at his place he would peek in look where i am sitting and he would enter from the other door and sit at the remotest place from me so it was many years later and now he is settled in seattle so i had gone to seattle and i his sister came to meet me his sister had become a devotee and she introduced him so maybe she undid the damage that i did to him but then <laughs> then he came, then i she came she told me that i am his i, I am his sister so i said how is he doing so then we met and then i we had a good laugh at that about what i had done at that time i apologize for the overdose so he also laughed at it so the point is that we don't have to give everything to everyone at that same time we to give them what they need in one sense it may seem as if 
Narad Muni is helping Dhruva fulfill his material desires. Why should Narad Muni do that? Shouldn't you tell him material desires are futile? But let's look at this. So, as I said, don't think we have to give all of Krishna's message to them right now. Leave something for God too. So what is success in outreach? Is it deliver the most elevated message or deliver the message that elevates people from where they are? So there are different forms of outreach and there are successes at different levels. So now it's not a matter of uh, that we should never speak the elevated, most elevated message. Yes, there are times when we absolutely need to speak it. So for example, if it's in our own temples, it's when we are teaching, say, Bhakti Shastri, Bhakti Vaibhav, when we are speaking Chaitan Charitamrat, to, to those who are already committed to the devotional path, then definitely we need to speak about the most elevated message. So, uh, it's a couple of days ago, because I was asked to speak on the Ramana Raya Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Samvad, the conversation between Ramana Raya Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's one of the most elevated conversations uh, in the entire gamut of scriptures. And yes, there are times when we speak that. However, there are also times when we look at the audience and see how we can lead them one step ahead. And when to elevate them that one step ahead, we speak the appropriate message for them. So Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita says, so this point is actually Krishna says, if you consider this whole point, this is based on Gita 326. You mentioned yesterday also that don't disturb people's minds. Engage them in a way by which they can be elevated. So what is Narad Muni doing? If he's not giving a pure devotional message, he's, is he assisting Dhruva and fulfilling his material desires? Sometimes they say, oh, the material desires will entangle a person. They will, they will get a person to the deep dark well of material existence. Why should we assist them in that? No. He's doing something far, far, far more expert. And according to my small understanding, I'll try to share what he is doing. So when we talk about material desires, you know, or when we talk about outreach, now we have to set some, all form of outreach is setting something right. So there are many things which can be set right. One is the conception of divinity. Who is God? They, they may have a personal conception. They may have some kind of conception. We have to write their conception. Then we have to write their motivation. Okay, this is not why we approach the Lord. This is how we. This is why we approach the Lord. And then we write their direction. This is the path for spiritual elevation. So now, the full outreach would be we write in everything. We write in the conception, the motivation, and the direction. Now, in the case of Narad Muni, we will see what he does is. He writes the direction. How does he write in the direction? In a sense, Dhruva's mother, Suniti, has already set him in the right direction. And he makes that direction even more specific. He makes it, okay, do this, 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 this. So the it's very specific instructions, how to worship the Lord. So he gives him that this is the direction which you should go. And then in the next section from verses 45, he will give him a vivid description of the conception. This is the Lord you should worship on. Worship. This is the Lord you should meditate on. And then that, that very beautifully, beautiful description charms Dhruva's heart as he keeps meditating on the Lord, on that 
all attractive form he becomes more and more purified so yes at this stage he can't write in his motivation that's fine oh, but is it wrong motivation it's, it's it's not pure devotional service it's mixed devotional service it's uh, or is it a devotional service it is simply karma kanda directed toward krishna or something like that well we don't have to get into this kind of hyper analytical uh, hyper analytical frame our focus can be what can i do right now in this situation in this interaction what can i do right now so we do that at that time we just do that that is important that is sufficient so if we consider against the prabhupad in india uh, when he was after he came back and was very successful uh, in his outreach prabhupad when he was dealing with the right life members many of the life members already had their conceptions they, they were already affiliated with spiritual paths many of the life members we hear about in the lilamrut as as those who did prominent help for shila prabhupad they were some of they were they were initiated disciples of other spiritual masters and some of them most of them were advaitika impersonal spiritual masters but when his interaction with them prabhupad didn't bother about if that issue came up he spoke it but he would go to their homes and in their homes they would have the pictures of their spiritual masters prabhupad would not talk much about that he didn't try to write in their conception he didn't too much try to write in their motivation also this right in their direction engage in krishna service help in building these temples uh, prabhupad was he compromising no because they were life members they were contributing prabhupad gave them his books and in his books there's abundant knowledge that would write in their conception that would write in their motivation but sometimes in trying to do all three we end up doing nothing you know we alienate the person and nothing happens so okay they are in this direction let them take one step forward let them move one step ahead so that is now now naradmuni if you consider if we consider he is doing two things he is writing the conception he is writing not writing but reinforcing the direction or or clarifying the direction we could say so the motivation it will become purified and that's what the whole story is about how the motivation becomes purified so uh, now sometimes is we sometimes uh, focus on what is absent in a person instead of what is present what is present is at least maybe they they are on the spiritual path among the millions of people some people are at least in the spiritual direction that's why maybe they met us that is present but instead of focusing on what is present we focus on what is absent oh you know you have that organization and that their book they are this they are like this they are like that focus on right uh, that they are they are in the right direction how can we take them further so other things have to be set right but in due course now let's talk about the material desires so is uh, the writing the motivation that is that this is what we are talking about so how would the motivation set right so sometimes we have a very reductionistic idea of material desires or we have material desires but there is there are different ways in which people may deal with material desires there is working for is worth and there is material desires so there are three different things working for them means that that is the primary motive 
and my, my primary motive is I want to become wealthy. I want I want to get attractor and desires. So their work somebody is working for them. Now that is different from working with them. Oh, I have these desires, and I can't give them up right now. So when they come up, when they become strong, I need some way to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am not actively fueling them. Uh, I'm not fantasizing to fulfill them. I'm not actively scheming to fulfill them. I'm just working with them. They are there, and we can't just wish them away. And the third is working on them. How do we work on them? We practice bhakti to purify and redirect our desires. So now, if we consider our life as sadhaka, quite often we may feel guilty because we have some desires that. See material or that are material, but okay, those desires are present. But what are we doing with them? Are we working on them? Yes, if we are doing our sadhana, definitely we are working on them. That's one thing which we are definitely doing. Along with that, we are also working with them. Yes, okay, I have them. I have to. I have to live with them. I can't wish them away. Now, what as devotees we try to avoid is working for them. we don't make the, working for them means we make them the goal of our life they become the driving and defining purpose of our life as do we try to avoid that in the case of for material desire it's black and white how is getting privileges Connection is a little unstable. Let's see if I can look at it. I'll check in with him. Sorry, the net went off. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you and see you. Sorry, sorry about it. So now, if somebody is fulfilling material desires by any means possible, that is something which is not so healthy. So this is the demoniac people. Somehow or other, they make kamo pabhoga parama etaavadi nishchita. That etaav. This is the life purpose of life. There is no other purpose in life. And karma crowd the parayan ha. There's there's sold their souls to the gratification of their lust and anger. So that is that is unhealthy. Sometimes we just if somebody has material desires, we think that is that is that is that is almost demoniac. We think, but not all presence of material desires make somebody demoniac. Devotees have material desires, 
but they are not considered demons in fact they are considered the anti demons they are the they are the opposite of the demons so how is one fulfilling material desires somebody somebody so everybody wants money and somebody becomes a robber to earn money somebody works virtuously and uh, religiously they take up a job and they work hard and they earn money now from the perspective of society today isn't that a big difference somebody is robbing and plundering and somebody is contributing to the maintenance of society krishna talks about the second is loka sangraha loka sangraha is actually literally the maintenance of the world so he says the maintenance of the world happens by res- responsible dutifulness and it is arjuna you have you are in a responsible position in society you have to do loka sangraha so loka sangraham eva api sampashyan kartum arhasi says for the purpose of maintaining society act in a responsible way says so now yes they are they are working for the, they are working they are fulfilling their desires but they are doing it in a virtuous way now it's not that we don't want them to come to a higher level that okay material desires are there they will overcome them but everybody takes their time to overcome material desires the material desires are not just something which we can i don't want them get out and they go away it's not like that they are there and so it is in economics prabhupada also calls malthus he says that you know it is it is desires that drive economics it is economic development happens because of desires so so in a sense the society the world is maintained because people have desires now of course somebody may say there is no need for the world to be maintained well no how will the souls get elev- how will the souls even have an opportunity for elevation if the world is not maintained now right now we are having this technology working because there are people who are very diligent and hard working they might have been materially motivated but they worked very hard they developed the technology and that's why we have it available so if those people had not worked hard and competently it wouldn't have been available for us so so this is itself different from working religiously and virtu- virtuously and religiously is different for by working by any means possible by hook or by crook as they say and then the third is so the first second might not be directly devotional it's more of that the level of punya of piety but the third is by striving devotionally and that is what narad muni is going is recommending to dhruva that you know you meditate on the lord you pray to the lord and here we see the potency of yena kena prakarena manah krishna niveshayet somehow or the other fix the mind on krishna somehow or the other the somehow or the other means we could say at one level use any means possible but it can also mean use any motivation possible any motivation possible so somehow any means means we can fix the mind on krishna's deity form we can fix the mind on the, the scriptures we can fix the mind on the holy name we can fix the mind on krishna kirtan we can fix the mind on the devotees who, has, who have uh, devotee acharyas who are serving krishna we can fix the mind on our particular service to krishna any means possible but yena kena prakarena can also mean not just any means possible but by any motives possible also any motive whatever be the motive and we know there is various stories of how just by worshiping krishna or wanting to longing for krishna we become purified prabhupada would tell the story of a thief who heard of how krishna in vrindavan wears very expensive ornaments and he had a great desire to rob those ornaments and as he went to vrindavan constantly thinking about krishna thinking about krishna thinking about krishna and by the time he got to vrindavan 
So Krishna was acting in his heart, in his life. Krishna was actually guiding him to come to Rindavan. And he went to Rindavan and he heard the katha of glorifying Krishna. And when he heard the katha, he said, Krishna is so attractive. He's far more attractive than these jewels. Why do I need them? And in that way, he became purified. So he gave the desire. So anyway, so now in today's world, for example, in more, say for example, we may do some different forms of outreach. Say for example, we do yoga outreach. When we do yoga outreach, we can say most people are in bodily consciousness. You know, they are just coming for improving their, for looking better, for becoming healthier. And what are they going to do after looking better and, uh, and uh, becoming healthier? They're going to gratify their senses. So why should we help them? Well, okay, that's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is that actually they, we are in the material world. What do we expect from people other than to be in material consciousness? This is where the world is. This is where people are going to be. But what is happening is they are trying to fulfill their material desires using some higher means. Instead of simply taking Botox to look good, instead of simply putting chemicals in their body, what are they doing? They are trying to do some something which is Vedic, something which is yo, something which is very much a part of our tradition. So we could say approximately they are in the second level right now. They are not using any means possible. They are using, relatively speaking, a virtuous means. A virtuous means means that they are learning to discipline themselves. They are learning to regulate themselves. Now, they may not be, they may not be sexually regulated or many other ways are not regulated. But at least during the process of yoga, they are regulating themselves. And if we can infuse their yoga practice with greater virtue, with greater devotion, then why not? It is a part of our tradition. So we could say that what might happen is that some of these people uh, may get elevated, some of them may not. But that doesn't matter. That it, it's like a pyramid. Maybe I can just show this right away. We consider a pyramid. But what happens is that we at least have opened the door to Krishna for them. If we don't open the door to Krishna, how are they ever going to come? Yeah. So in general, we can say in our outreach, rather than thinking of outreach as like a one zero effort, just change all this. It's like a pyramid. So at the bottom are people who are completely in material consciousness. So that is at the bottom. But there are people who are in material consciousness. We could say that's at the bottom itself. But so they're in material consciousness, but they're exploring something slightly spiritual. So even if we say that yoga practice is only asana and there's nothing very spiritual about it, but they're at least exploring something slightly, something slightly spiritual. And that is good because by this, what they're doing is that they are actually beginning their spiritual journey. And that beginning of their spiritual journey is the path of auspiciousness for them. If they keep doing that, gradually they will become elevated. Now, 
From there, say if we help them rise, what will happen next? Now, many of the yoga practitioners, if I just shorten this as MC's material consciousness, what happens is if we infuse them with give them some spiritual information. So they were doing something connected with spirituality. Yoga practice has been a part of spiritual tradition, but they become more spiritually inclined. Now, even if the number of people who do this is very small, but at least they become spiritually inclined. So how does that happen? Oh, this came from the East. Okay. Oh, maybe there's some respect for the East. Maybe it gave me something, something good. Maybe there is something more that they'll get. So initially, they are not at all spiritually inclined, but it makes them at least spiritually inclined. And then not just inclined, we can help them move forward. They become spiritually, we could say, at one level, spiritual shoppers. They're not seekers, they're shoppers. They go to this group and that group and that, this path and this teacher and this book. And whatever feels good to them, hey, this is good, that is good, that is good. And that's, that's okay. They're at least exploring. They're exploring. You know, recent, uh, <clears throat> I was interacting with one such person who has explored recently. One lady, she, was, she has gone through many, many spiritual paths. And she was saying that wherever I have gone, I have got some enriching spiritual experiences. So I feel connected with God. I feel connected with the ultimate. Why do I need to commit myself to any path? You know, in various paths, I'm experiencing God. And I will continue that experience. So why do, why do I need to close myself? So this is usually the level where most spiritual people are shoppers. I get something good over here. I get something good over here. So I told her that it's wonderful you have had spiritual experiences. Maybe you can just become a little more open-minded. A little bit open. I said, really? I thought I'm already very open. I'm exploring so many paths. I said, yes. Yes, you're open to exploring so many paths. Maybe you can become open to exploring commitment to one path. So rather than saying become close, what I told her is take your openness to one more level. That be open to the value of commitment. That is, because if we are open to various things, why not be open to this also? I never thought of it like that. And if I'm really open-minded, then I should not just be open-minded to exploring various paths. I should be open-minded to the idea of commitment also. Otherwise, I have been close-minded. Isn't it? So I'm, I'm thinking this option is not for me, then I'm being close-minded. So we can, rather than condemning people, you're just spiritual shoppers. You know, you're going here, you're going there, you're doing nothing. Not committing to one path. No, they're spiritual shoppers, fine. They'll explore various paths, but from there, a few of them will become spiritual seekers. They will start seeking, okay, what is the ultimate reality? So not just what makes me feel good, but what is actually good. So what is the difference between these two? Spiritual shoppers is what makes me feel good. And that is one level which many people will be at, which is fine in its own way. But from here, we move forward and then they come to the next level, which is even better which is spiritual seekers means start exploring what is actually good or what is ultimately good. So this is how people become elevated. Now we'll see this is what Narmuni, uh, this is what roughly such a trajectory is what Narmuni 
gives to Dhruva, but I'm talking right now about the application in our context. So if we reject people who have material desires because they have material desires, then who will be left for our outreach? So they are spiritual seekers and they start looking for what is actually good. And when they do this, gradually they start getting elevated. Okay. Then they become, we can say they become bhaktas. They, when they're spiritual seekers, gradually they become devotional practitioners. They start understanding Krishna is the goal and they start pursuing Krishna as the goal. And then eventually they will become Shuddha Bhaktas. They will become pure devotees. So that is the top of the hierarchy. So when we are doing outreach, we want, we would like people to come over here. But also wherever people are, help them take one step forward. Help them take one step forward. And Krishna, it's not that we have to take them all the way up. If, if Krishna wants us to do that, then Krishna will arrange their life and our life in such a way that we can be their guides. We can be their, in not just actually guides is a little presumptuous, we can be their servants in helping them in their journey, can be their assistants. But if that's not what Krishna wants, well, at least let's take them one step up. So in this way, when we, when we have that inclusive understanding, so what is Dhruva Nalamuni doing to Dhruva? Okay, at least get him closer to the Lord. Get him to meditate on the Lord. If it only renounce material desires and just focus on the Lord, Dhruva would not have been interested. He said, meditate on the Lord. Now, and, and, <clears throat> now, now here, Naradmuni doesn't glorify material desires or material achievement also. He'll say, you will get a magnificent kingdom and this kingdom will be so prosperous and you'll be so happy in that kingdom. He's not glorifying material desires. He doesn't have to do that. Now, that glorification for him, it's already being done by Dhruva's mind. Oh, I want to achieve that. So we see that what is necessary, Naradmuni is doing, but nothing more than that. So then what happens is, there are a couple of points I'll make and then we can have a few questions or reflections. So how we evolve in our taste. So ultimately, our desires, they arise from our taste. So desire is specifically what we, what we move towards. Taste is what we enjoy. So there might be adharmic or impious, impious or uh, irreligious or unrighteous material taste. So we can say, So there's an unrighteous material taste. So this might be in all forms of gratification, which are against the principles of dharma. Then there is gradually, we could say a virtuous material taste. What is a virtuous material taste? For example, Krishna tells Arjuna, for a warrior, death, dishonor is worse than death. So now what does it mean? A warrior, warrior cannot bear being, dishon bear being dishonored. And a warrior delights in being honored. But how does a warrior seek honor? By doing honorable deeds, by fighting heroically, by risking one's life to protect others. And the taste that they get over there, that is a dharmic taste that helps, that helps them to live virtuously and that helps them to establish, protect others, do their duties. And in fact, we could say the whole purpose of Varanashram is not simply to divide people into various groups. It is to arrange society in a way that individuals can get this taste while they are pursuing this taste. Devotional spiritual taste is the ultimate taste. That is, 
that is the taste for krishna so somebody loves music now they may not uh, they they may not have pure love for krishna they may not have taste for chanting 64 rounds of the holy names every day but they love music and they can learn various instruments and they can serve krishna through music they can contribute in the world through music and that can be their vocation so the taste evolves gradually sometimes when we say material is material desires now within material desires also there is goodness passion and ignorance and there is a big difference between the three, between them it's not all the same why is it not the same because desires and ignorance and passion they they harm the person harm people themselves and others but desires and goodness they may be material desires but relatively speaking they elevate people so how does so for we will see what will happen is dhruva has that taste i want a kingdom and now as jetan as narad muni will guide him forward so what will happen is narad muni will give him a by a glimpse of devotional taste and that devotional taste will will intoxicate him will captivate him and what happens here is that how does purification happen how does one lose the lower taste lose the material taste and get the higher devotional taste so broadly we can say that three trajectories to purification dhruva takes this dhruva will take the second trajectory you will see largely speaking so one pravan practices bhakti realizes bhakti taste is better and renounces the world just turns away from the world and becomes absorbed in krishna that's one trajectory that's possible the other trajectory could be we practice bhakti we get the material desirables but then realize bhakti taste is better that, that's okay that's it that is what i want so we could say for this the example is narad muni himself narad muni gets a taste of darshan of the lord in the first canto and he gets such a taste that he thinks this is what i want is a small boy he has just lost his mother but instead of lamenting he starts traveling to the north searching for ways to get to the lord more and more and that's what he gets ultimately so practice bhakti get material desires and realize mm, bhakti taste is better the example for this is dhruva and what happens is he what he, he, he has the desire for the kingdom the lord comes in front of him and the lord says i'll give you the kingdom he says no i don't want the kingdom i don't want the kingdom i only want you oh lord and this way dhruva elevate dhruva's heart gets transformed the lord says you can have the kingdom and because you have the higher taste you won't get attached so he realizes bhakti taste is better in fact he famously says that my dear lord i was desiring broken pieces of glass but you are like the jewel and this is for this we have the example of pururava in the bhagavatam in the 11th canto pururava is a king who is madly attached to urvashi and while he is attached to urvashi urvashi is a celestial damsel and she is breathtakingly beautiful and he just can't forget her and he performs a great yagya to lord vishnu and lord vishnu appears in front of him and the all attractive lord is in front of him but still pururava says i want urvashi how is it that after seeing the lord sakshat he having darshan of the lord how does he not become purified well he does become purified now different people are at different levels and purification may take time 
the lord's darshan will not go in vain but it may not bear fruit immediately so in his case what happens is he, he gets he gets urvashi and he he indulges with her but this but soon he realizes the this is nothing over here and then he becomes devoted to the lord so there can be many different trajectories to purification and the important thing is that we keep we help people to take one step forward from where they are and that is what narad muni is doing over here and we'll conclude with this as one of you now we have our our role is to assist in krishna's plan for each soul and you know i i phrase this as gita 411 this is what mama vartmanu vartante manushya partha sarvasha krishna says all people are on my path what that means is from your place at your pace sorry from your place at your pace access krishna's grace so wherever we are whatever rate we want to move forward now we may be on the pyramid we may be at the bottom at your place krishna's grace is available to take one step forward Now some people may want to take a some now the pyramid is a simple example, but sometimes there are different paths up the mountain. Some paths are very steep. If we climb them, we will get get to the top faster. But it requires much more effort. Some people, some some paths might be very gently going upward, but they are also going upward. So that for them also there is room in Krishna Bhakti. So we could say at your pace, uh, Prabhu Padin. for those who joined the movement full time who stayed in the temple prabhupad at them you know the intense program of bhakti the full morning program book distribution serious serious life centered around krishna that was a because you're going up the steep way up the mountain but for many others those who are the life members they just okay do some seva come to the temple appreciate the devotees and slowly get elevated now if we consider in today's world most of our movement is neither here nor there they are not at the level of most devotees are not in the temple living in the temple and most devotees are not life members in the sense that okay we just give some donation and contribute something devotees are committed but they are not staying in the temples so in one sense currently our movement is in in, in terms of the history of the movement it is an uncharted territory it is an uncharted territory uh during prabhupad's time we didn't have the demographic that we have now the devotees were not there were practically no devotees who were not living in the temple during prabhupad's times so i'll conclude with one point that you know if prabhupad the way prabhupad lived from 1921 to 1932 he would sometimes he had met his spiritual master and he was very inspired by his spiritual master but prabhupad prabhupad continued pursuing his business and prabhupad occasionally came to various gaudiya mats and uh, met his spiritual master but he was because he was traveling so much he was never visiting one gaudiya mat regularly so you know if 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 the founder acharya of iskon had come to iskon today he would have been considered to be a loose devotee if he had lived the way 1921 to 32 he don't come to the temple regularly you don't come for the morning program you don't do this you don't do that so prabhupad would have been considered in prabhupad's movement to be a loose devotee so that is how sometimes we have this one zero idea of spirituality and we judge people but you know dhruv narad muni is not judging dhruv maharaj he is not judging dhruva he is assisting dhruva 
why do you have petty material desires no at that time for him those desires are very important so narmuni is helping dhruva fulfill those desires in a way that by which he will gradually rise beyond those desires and that is the expertise of narmuni we can all strive to get gain a little fraction of that expertise when we try to assist others in their onward spiritual journey so i'll summarize what i spoke today broadly i spoke on the theme of narad muni's expert outreach so we went over the overview of the remaining chapter and then what's what's missing is matters so there is no instruction on detachment or futility of material desires why because dhruva is not ready for that and then discuss success in outreach is not just giving the most elevated message but it is giving the message that elevates people from where they are at and and what is elevating means it means it correcting some things writing writing some things so we are writing people's conceptions their motivations or their direction so dhruva is writing writing not the motivation so dhruva's motivation is still what it is and armuni doesn't touch that writes his reinforces in right direction and writes gives him the right conception and he knows krishna is acting in dhruva's life so we humility in outreach means we don't think we have to do everything right now with this person leave something for krishna also to do and then we discussed uh, in contemporary application people who are practicing yoga today and they are they are in bodily consciousness but everybody will be in bodily consciousness but if we as devotees give them the opportunity to see that yoga is much more they can rise up so they can write from just in bodily consciousness doing something slightly spiritual to becoming spiritually inclined to becoming spiritual shoppers to becoming spiritual seekers to becoming devotees to becoming pure devotees that's how we can help them move up and then we talked about what about their material what about their material desires yeah then material desires may be there but there are different approaches to it so is somebody full working for the desires working with the desires or working on the desires so as sadhakas at our present stage mostly we are the second and third there might be a few desires we may be working for also but how are we working for them that also makes a difference so is it it becomes demoniac only when by any means possible that is unethically also exploiting or it is virtuously so dhruva is being guided not just to fulfill the desires virtuously but through in a devotional way by satisfying the lord and then we discuss about the trajectory for purification how does that happen for somebody if they have material desires if they engage in bhakti they might just realize oh bhakti taste is so much higher this this they just choose that and dedicate themselves to it other is they get they they have their uh, they practice bhakti they get their material desirables oh, and then they realize oh bhakti taste is better sometimes they have to so the first example is narad muni second example is dhruva and if they get the material desirables they indulge in them and then they realize bhakti is better that is pururava so the overall mood of krishna is from your place at your pace access the lord's grace so we too can as narad muni expertly didn't judge or condemn dhruva but elevated him so we too can try to elevate dhruva, elevate those whom we connect with thank you very much hare krishna So, I think we are almost time. Do we have time for any comments or questions? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Yes, if if you have time, we have time. We can continue.
Yeah, maybe 10 minutes or something. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Yusuf. Shami Prasdas here. Thank you for a nice class. Um, I was I was uh, reflecting on the point you made about how um, we have there's three different avenues to kind of correct there's co correcting the conception, which sounds like sambanta, and then correcting I think the approach, which is the uh, the abhidaya the process, and then correcting the motivation, which I I, I, I compare to uh, prayojana. Like what? What is so? Yeah. Does that sound correct? I didn't think about it that way. It's quite sharp of you. Let's look back at it. So we can go if you look at it. Conception, motivation, direction. So you so correcting the conception is sammandagyan. Right. Correcting the direction is abhideya. Correcting the motivation is yes, motivated by love. That's beautiful. Thank you yeah. for that. I, 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 I thought that was interesting, but I was also thinking like, um, my question is, because in preaching and presenting Christian consciousness, there's this fine balance, which I think you you did a nice job of bringing out that we, we want to um, encourage people where they're at. And by default, as you said, they're in the mature world, by default, they have material desires, that's to be expected. We want to encourage them to take practice and, and advance. And so, you know, giving them some direction is um, is really good. Same time, there's this kind of fine point of, if we don't, for example, if we don't ever give them any, any uh, conception of God and the goal, then it can become, uh, uh, as Bhaktino Thakur says, the chanting of the Lord's name cannot be perfected and free from offenses unless there's some sambandagyan, for example. Because one can never, really, one one will never actually know what they're dealing with and why. Uh, at the same time, if there's too much of that, I found this tendency is there for people to kind of uh, get down on themselves and think, well, I'm I'm never going to be able to practice pure devotional service. That's for other people. You know, I have material desires. They're just always going to be part of what I do. And they they become hopeless, um, whether they say it or not. Sometimes it comes out months or years later that they don't really think it's for them because it's too pure. So can you talk a little bit about this balance that, you know, we want, we want to give them in a sense um, enough to start with, but also enough direction that they, they don't start, you know, they have a map, they know where to go. At the same time, we don't want to overload them so that they feel like they're carrying so, so much in their backpack that they're never going to make it. Um, how, how do we, how do we balance that as presenters of Krishna consciousness? So we don't, get them either lost or hopeless. Yeah, it's a tough, tough situation. Mm. Okay. That if we present pure devotion too, too emphatically and people feel that this is too lofty and I can never do it, they, be, they lose hope and settle where they are. Or if we never speak about it, then they're anyway going to stay where they are. So what do we do? <clears throat> That's why bhakti sanjayate bhakti. That it, bhakti is practiced in the association of devotees. And uh, in the association of devotees, if we have some kind of supportive community, or at least some devotee association, then we see, okay, these principles are up there, but how are they live? And we will see different devotees living in different ways. Not all of them will be, will be, will be very inspiring. Some, but overall, how to implement scripture in real life. 
that is something uh, or how to pursue ideals in real life that is that is an existential challenge for every seeker in fact i'd say not even every spiritual seeker every human being because even to live in a ordinary society live in ordinary society there are so many cravings that come up and nobody can fulfill all their cravings so two things my or i often talk about is there are stars and there are stairs ordinary stairs can't take us to the stars but in bhakti the stairs they will take us to the stars so stars are the ideals of pure devotion stairs are the gradual steps that take us up so we uh, the stairs are way to up if we consider krishna in the 12th chapter 8 to 12 he gives multiple levels at which people can connect with him if you can't spontaneously fix your mind on me then strive consciously to fix your mind on me if you can't do that then work for me you can't work for me then at least work for some good cause and sacrifice the results of your work so krishna has multiple levels at which you can connect so similarly so, uh, to the extent so, so to summarize what i would say is that uh, when we present pure devotion if we present it like one zero if you are not a pure devotee you are hopeless then that becomes a problem but instead of presenting spirituality as a one zero digital uh, logic kind of presentation we offer it as a analog kind of presentation uh, this is the path up and wherever you are from there you can take one step up and that's why there has to be a certain level of acceptance in the sense that not everybody may be able to follow all the practices or all the principles and when that happens then what do we do we if sometimes what happens is somebody is following at a particular level and they can't practice at that level and then they feel oh my life is wasted i can never be a devotee somebody says in a particular ashram and they say i can't continue that ashram then they think oh, what will people think of me or what is the use of practicing in another ashram and they will just give up the practice of bhakti so we have to know that bhakti is not one zero and it is analog okay if you can't do at this level do at this level. if you can't do at this level do at this level but continue on the most dramatic example we could say of prabhupad presenting bhakti not as one zero but as analog is in the eighth canto of purport on gajendra he talks about how even if a sanyasi normally the traditional uh, tradition would be that if a sanyasi say is unable to practice the principles of sanyas and that's like a vantashi a person who is meeting their own vomit prabhupad says no doesn't matter he says you can't fight on in water fight on land so prabhupad is saying not that you are rejected because you can't follow the standards so so sometimes unfortunately we present bhakti as not one zero not not analog but one zero now uh, i was at one place recently or i was talking with devotees from one place and they're saying that there are two groups over there so both groups are practicing bhakti both groups are diligently practicing bhakti but in one group they do the mangal aarti at 4:30 another group they do the mangal aarti at 5 o'clock and the first group tells other, other tells people who are new he says prabhupada said 4:30 if you do at 5 you are deviating from prabhupada you there will be no mercy of prabhupada available if you do mangal aarti at 5 o'clock now they are in a crowded neighborhood and you can and maybe this what there are various reasons why they might be doing at 5 o'clock but the fact is they doing mangal aarti 
Isn't that laudable? So sometimes, unfortunately, we present bhakti as one zero, and then some people start feeling that bhakti is far more difficult than what I can do. But if we see it as not one zero but as analog, then they can take incremental steps forward. Does it address your concern, Prabhu? Yes, thank you, Prabhu. Thank you, Arjun. Uh, Hare Krishna. Uh, Chaitanya Charan Prabhu, may I? Yes, Vijay Krishna Prabhu, yes. Uh, 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 Prabhu, um, please accept my humble obeisance as all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you for your wonderful class. And uh, Prabhu, my question is related to uh, the desire for accepting initiation from a spiritual master. Uh, and uh, my question is, uh, and, and before I ask my, my question, I must say the following. There is a very popular spiritual saying, which says that when the disciple is ready, then the spiritual master manifests in his life. Uh, so my question is, uh, um, this concept concept of ready includes which qualifications? Uh, and uh, also, my question is, ready for what? For becoming um, a full surrendered uh, devotee immediately uh, to the spiritual master or to become a full surrendered devotee along the way because, because of the acceptance of the training uh, given by the spiritual master. Okay. So, when it is said that when a disciple is ready, the spiritual master appears in their life. So, what does it mean uh, to be that the, the disciple is ready? And what does it mean that they're, are they ready for what? Well, Firstly, while I have not seen any, any specific scriptural reference for this particular statement, but it's understandable that the super soul is there in our heart and the super soul wants us to, wants to grow, wants us to evolve spiritually, to come to the, him. So he's seeing if we have that spark of interest, naturally he will send us someone to fan that spark and to make it grow into a shining shining flame that will guide our spiritual journey, that will power our spiritual journey. So in principle, that, that, is, that, is, uh, under, that is a reasonable statement. Having said that, it will vary again from person to person. So different people may be ready for a spiritual journey, but how, as you said, how ready and ready for what? Are they ready just to move up from where they are to from spiritual shoppers to spiritual seekers? Are they ready to move up all the way to pure devotion? We don't know. Normally speaking, Krishna charts the trajectory in 716 to 719. And he says the journey to pure devotion takes many lifetimes. Bahunam Janmana Mante Gyanavan Maam Now in exceptional situations, that may happen very rapidly in just one lifetime. But that's not the norm. That's not the standard. The standard is it, it usually takes time. So where 
uh, how much will the person be elevated it depends on the level of the level of the disciple the level in terms of not just where they are but level also in terms of their level of eagerness to rise and also the expertise of the spiritual master i think vishwanath chakra thakur talks in madhure kadambani that there are two kinds of shraddha two kinds of faith there is one is swabhaviki and balen utpadita swabhaviki is that is natural faith and he says this natural faith um, comes from having practiced bhakti or some kind of spirituality in one's previous life and the other is balen utpadita balen balam means force balena utpadita by in by produced by force so sometimes a person may just have a little spark but by the by the expert so this here bala doesn't refer simply to force in terms of crude crude force or physical force but it refers to the the bala that is comes from inspiration sometimes uh, the spiritual master who is uh, the, the 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 spiritual guides whoever they are they might be so expert that they may enthuse and energize the soul with spiritual desire and that's how they may rise further so so it depends on both in that sense you know where the seeker is that is swabhavaki shraddha and where the how expert the spiritual teacher spiritual guide is that is a balin utpadita so the exact trajectory will vary from person to person both the exact trajectory and the specific speed both will vary Did I address your question? Yes, completely, Prabhu. Wonderful answer, Hari Krishna. Hari Krishna. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, Mr. Prabhu, shall we stop here now? Yeah, sure, Prabhu. Thank you so much for your association. You. Happy to be of service. Thank you. For so, Forward to seeing you next month. Santraj Simad Bhagavatam ki jai. 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 Chaitanya Charam Prabhu ki jai. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Wonderful class. Yeah.